Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidrik, here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a big quiz, of course, on rest. As I said, though, joined by the Dudley Boys. And what? <laughs> to look ahead to AW Dynamite Road Rager tonight. And, uh, well, the big stipulation show, basically, isn't it? I'm actually hyped. I'm actually hyped. Um, you know, we've been, I'm not going to say overly critical, balanced in our assessment on the somewhat creative decline of AW. But you cannot look at this card and not marvel at what they've assembled for one evening's wrestling show, not least when it's just a TV special. I am, like, earnestly right, considering how much fluff and filler that card felt like it had. I think I'm more hyped for this Dynamite than I was Double or Nothing. That was, yes. that was, a, that was a two-match card with other stuff that had the potential to, like, over-deliver based on an uh, all-right build. Like, all of this kind of rules. There's not really much room for any of it to even fail in execution, I don't think. I don't know, like, I don't mm. I don't want that to be, like, a cursed thing, and then we come in tomorrow, it's always the hype dynamites that never deliver. It's just loads. It's really varied. It's really diverse. Um, it, it doesn't feel terribly synced up to Forbidden Door, but who cares? It just looks fun. There's a really good article uh, at whatculture.com right now that's just been made into a video that hopefully will go out today, otherwise it is completely out of date instantly <laughs> uh, about how the AW roster is too big, um, and it is, in part, well, it's written brilliantly by Michael Sidgwick and probably butchered by me in video form, where I say, and you write, obviously, that we may be sort of, you know, spoiled a bit. And that sort of links to this, Sidge, in terms of... Oh, so by the way, shout out to... Alexander McGarry, who's called this show AW Stipulation Central, because there's so many very different matches. But there's a bit of me in terms of what I was just talking about there, where I'm like... Is this show too stacked? Yeah, this show's almost too good. Um, I'm struggling, not really, because it's a nice problem to have, I guess, where I'm not, like, going mad about the potential storyline ramifications stemming from these matches, nor have any of them had this incredibly rich, emotionally intense build where I'm just desperate to see it. But as far as an episode of NXT in 2019 goes, where <laughs> I know the output is going to be better than what goes into it, this should be absolutely sensational. 
two hours of professional wrestling. Um, it's AEW Uncensored. <laughs> it's fairly ridiculous. There's three. Like having one, having two stipulation matches on a TV show is already a sign of excess. How, whichever way you want to slice it or reconcile it or bargain or argue for it, unless it's a very special event and something's been ages in the making, having two stipulation matches on one TV show feels like, well, why are you doing that? What are you trying to hide? What are you mm. trying to plug? What are you trying to obscure? Having three is silly. <laughs> and I know they've got like the little suffix road rage here to sort of try and denote that it is a special show. So maybe you could justify it on those terms, but we're right in the middle of a, the shortest pay-per-view cycle there is. So mm. it, it feels excessive. It feels a little bit silly, but it does feel like an amazing sports entertainment show. I, I love, by the way, like I'm going to put us all over. I love how consistent we are because I don't think you can find them in our archives at the moment. I hope one day they reappear. But this is so consistent if you were listening our like say 2019 early Wednesday Night War podcast because Sidgwick, consistent as he was then, as he is now, suggesting that you approach with caution because of maybe the bigger picture ramifications of an evening like this. Maybe like, whoa, look at the posters! <laughs> we got this, we got this, we got this. Everything's going to be fine. Like well, ladder matches. It did ladder matches. Advantage to war games. It did. <laughs> two. So that means there's four. <laughs> it did bring about the doom to the to the one yeah. I like, but I was like, but look at it. So I think like it's just it's nice that like not so much that we've come full circle because Tony Khan does need to watch a bit less NXT and what's inspiring the book <laughs> at the moment. But yeah, it's uh it's nice that fundamentally we've stayed true to our roots with a show like this. I am earnestly, earnestly looking forward to AEW Uncensored without firmly thinking that this could be the first night of a big macro long-term turnaround for the promotion mm. like this card is irresistible in its own slightly dorky way it's a really good sports entertainment looking card like the Wardlow thing which we'll get to is ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous you'd never see it in old japan in the 90s nor new japan of the 2010s which is kind of what a lot of people thought AEW would be, but the Americanized version. They've kind of gone balls deep up to the nuts and guts <laughs> in the trappings of North American TV, but it's at least a very prospectively entertaining version of that. This uh, strikes me as potentially the heading for a new chapter in the follow-on book to Becoming All Elite, this bonkers show. And uh, by the way, if you want to get Sidious Brilliant Book all about AEW, Becoming All Elite, it's available right now on Amazon, by the way. Um... Where to begin on a show like this? Like, we're not going to have time, probably, and because it, it's not been advertised, we're just not going to talk about it, just in case, to talk about, potentially, Zack Sabre Jr. showing up and challenging old dragon bollocks. Or what's next for MJF? Is he going to be on this show? What's it? doesn't matter. We ain't got time. Let's start in the obvious place to start, Michael Sidgwick. Who's getting shaved bald? It's a hair versus hair match. Jericho versus Ortiz. And I... I I thought, well, no, no, obviously he wins this one. And, I, and now I'm not so sure. It's a ballsy move. If you're Chris Jericho and you have a, like a fair bit of creative latitude in this promotion, you can form and pick, you can form your own stables and pick the personnel, which we know he did. Um, you can guide Tony Khan using your vast experience of staying over and doing the right things and, He's got Tony Khan's ear, right? So who is he in the Sopranos? Because he's not silly, is he? Is he Paulie Walnuts? 
He's probably walnuts, to totally, yeah. That's it, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. He does need him, he does trust him. There is experience. But he's a wild card and he's wacky. He's wild card, he's wacky. Sometimes his pat is amazing. Other times it just gets on <laughs> people's tits <laughs> big time. Um, so, the thing with Chris Jericho is that he's not going to do anything he doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So, does he finally want to do that which faces all men or most men. Mm-hmm. We can't all be David Lynch. <laughs> Some of us are fighting battles. I'm one of them. It's not pleasant. Has he reached the um, his dweller on the threshold moment <laughs> where it's like, right, I just have to shave it off because there was a moment in the aftermath of anarchy in the arena. And this all works because he's a heel, but where, like, if he exerts so much effort in a wrestling match and starts getting sweaty, you can see that it's just not what it was and he's hurriedly flicking it back. Has he reached that moment in his life where he's like, fine, I've lost the battle, so let's get some money out of it. I'm a corny wrestler. Or is this just some daft, wacky sports entertainment, but the good kind version of it? And Jericho's like, no, no, I'm not going to do mine. (laughs) Why would you say that I would... Why would you think that I would <laughs> yeah. put my hair on the line? Well, Chris, he's got a huge ego. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to say the reason why. We'll just shave Ortiz's head and let's be on our way. Hair versus hair is silly. It's not very sporting. They did an absolutely incredible All Japan women's hair versus hair match mm. where it actually felt like honor and sports and like genuinely dramatic. This won't be that. It's a bit. Heel, of a, heel didn't want to shave the baby face's hair at the end because it was yeah, such a story rivalry and they were crying and it was. It's just incredible, incredible scenes. It's not going to be anything like this. It's very much going to be an American version of it, which doesn't take the same honor as like the Lucha Mask versus like stuff um, where you lose something. It genuinely feels like a part of you. I don't think this match, if it was just, oh, Chris Jericho versus Ortiz, because Chris Jericho's a top star, and they're both involved in the same stable. I'm not necessarily of the opinion that it would be more than a gentleman's three, quite frankly, but the thought of Chris Jericho being shaved bald is going to inform every near fall with a quite incredible amount of drama, even if it seems fanciful that, of all people, Chris Jericho... I know he shows ass as a matter of course. He knows his job. He's a fantastic heel. And he's having one of these yet another reinventions where it's like, he's Chris Jericho. You'll doubt him again because he's Chris Jericho. But you shouldn't because he's Chris Jericho. I can't see him showing this much ass. It's almost a self-own that there's an implication that maybe he should at this point get his hair shaved. But nonetheless, I'll still be happily on the hook for this because I've really enjoyed his work. After Anarchy in the Arena, I've loved this rivalry. So I'm on the hook for this. I think it's great booking. It's pretty silly when there's so much silliness, but my God, the roll-ups in this match are going mm. to be wild. Yeah, it's one of those I where... think, for the record, I'm so sorry. Ortiz is getting his head shaved if I yeah. have to put money on it. Yeah, in terms of when we talk about title matches and I talk about, you know, in the time it takes to do a three count, my brain works six months ahead and goes, mm. oh, cool, so I guess the title's going here and here and here for whatever title it may be. Like Sidge said, the moment there's going to be any pinfall, like Ortiz can pull off a shaved head, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it, you know, it doesn't really affect anything storyline-wise going forward. But then on the other hand, you're like, yeah, has he given up the fight, Chris Jericho, with the, you know, that most men have? Has he made the decision of, like, I'm going to shave my head, we're going to lose blood and guts, I'm going to disappear, and then because I've got a shaved head, I can do the... 
the gimmick in the hair yeah. and to come back with a luscious head of hair. I can't think of a single wrestler prior to the inevitable ha- hair transplant who could get over, like, doing the wig stuff. Yeah. That everyone, every heel who loses a hair versus hair yeah. match does it. Can you think of a single wrestler who would do it better than Chris Jericho? Only one might have been Kurt Angle who's yeah. done it. Like that was that was my thinking too. The the only way I could rationalise him doing it was to then mask that he was actually bald, and it becomes like a central point of blood and guts. Is like you think it's going to be all about the most violent spot, but the most violent thing you can do is Chris Jericho's rip the wig off, and that's that's the thing you know, like the and it's saved for that moment or for something of significance. And what if the Jericho Appreciation Society, like the Romania side in uh, 1998, all shaved their head in solidarity? Sort of great. Uh, his face. Like, sort of great. Like, I don't want to do it to Daddy Magic or to Cool Hand. Actually, to any of them. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's, to be honest, it's, there's a bit of... We've always wrestled in swim caps. <laughs> there's a bit of, um, the nature of the build of this match, obviously it's all, it's all to build up the eventual blood and guts and continue the rivalry more than it is the individual hair versus hair. There's a bit of Kevin Nash law here with Chris Jericho because they had a hair versus hair match because Nash was getting his hair cut for a film. And he was like, well, I'll put my hair up on the pay-per-view. And WWE, as like the wheels were falling off, was like, well, I'll just do it on Raw next week. And Nash was like, all right, probably would have paid for that, but it's gone now. And it was against Chris Jericho. And I remember Jericho talking about either in an interview or one of his books, and even he was saying, like, I was, we didn't always get along, me and Nash, but I completely agreed with him. This should have meant more. For whatever, although it's kind of memphis and daft, like hair, it's quite valuable in wrestling. There's a stipulation. Mm. It's going to be somebody making a big aesthetic change. And AW have just... They haven't built... If Jericho's getting his head shaved tonight, they haven't done anywhere near enough good a job of building that he's getting his head yeah. shaved, if you know what I mean. Like, it sort of felt like this could be a singles match in the middle of anarchy in the arena and blood and guts, not hair versus hair. They've not really put this on the pedestal that such a match should be on, unless, which makes me think it's Ortiz. Yeah. Unless they do the gimmick of Jericho runs away and they're like, nope, next week, if you want to have this match, you have to have your head shaved. No, they won't do that. No, nah, it's too dangerous precedent to set, I think. I just, I feel like had they, like... When you do these hair versus hair matches and you're going to deliver something big in terms of somebody like Vincent Trump is probably the biggest and indeed most successful example, you put it on an enormous stage, you make it matter, you make the combatants talk about, daft as it sounds, in wrestling it does work, what their hair means to them or whatever, had the shame of losing it or, you know, however you're going to spin it. Huge. And, uh, you know, what's uh, Larry David's mate in Curb called when he talks about Jeff, when he's on about like not being bald? And then he gets shaved as a part of surgery and he wakes up and he's absolutely screaming. And he just, he, he's like, he's good and he's ashamed. And Larry's like, see, now, it, now it's actually happened to you. You get the pain of it. Like, they've not really touched any of that, which makes me think that this is a fairly routine win for Jericho. But the other side the other side of the Jericho doing the comedy thing is enough, as Sidrick says, to make the roll-ups like, really worthwhile on the night. And before we move on, like Chris Jericho, if he doesn't lose this match, he's going to wake up to... And he's got his finger on the pulse as well. He prides himself on that. Sometimes it takes three months to actually listen, <laughs> but he does. He, den- he genuinely does. He is going to wake up to an absolute torrent of people saying, why didn't you do it? Because, you know, you should have done it. You're halfway there, pal. Yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. So he's, yeah. Ortiz we're going with? To lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, Ortiz to lose. Uh, quickly before we move on, because you've mentioned his name. And God bless the United States. Okay, uh, right. AW- not an endorsement. No, no. absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, AW tag title ladder match tonight. Bit of a cloud over this, understandably, with what's gone on with, with uh, Jeff Hardy, although we wish him well in his recovery. Uh, and people like that should 
you know, get the support Ubers. networks that they deserve. <laughs> they deserve. And Ubers. Yes. Uh, it is now the Young Bucks versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Has that changed your opinion on who leaves as tag champs? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, well, it's changed a few of my opinions. I think this might be a better match. Um, of course it will be. I know that sounds like... <laughs> well, no, I know that sounds like... I, I worry that sounds like I'm kicking the Hardy Boys when they're down and I'm not. Yeah. I just, like... I, I was getting... Weeks and weeks and weeks ago, I was getting no joy of seeing, like, the Hardys put themselves through this kind of stuff. And I, I didn't need any more of it. And we talked a lot about the ladder stuff in the review last week. So I, I think this will actually be a better match. Um, the whole thing seemed to be existing to be that one last thing where uh, Christian like has, has, booked, has gone one too far with Jurassic Express and booked them in this match that they can't get out of. But then in thinking about that, I would have expected the Young Bucks to win the belts. So theoretically, the team that are in there are still going to be the team that wins, but it doesn't feel quite as right anymore. Like In terms of the storyline, this might be one of them times where you have to pivot a little bit. Like if Jurassic Express lose a tag match to the Young Bucks where they're not in any way at a disadvantage, like they would have been with another team in there, it's like, is Christian not vindicated? Like, Jungle Boy, you are a stupid loser, Jungle Boy. You lost again. Like, it's, <laughs> they could go ahead with it. I just, I, as a three way, I kind of saw the Young Bucks getting the belts back, and now I don't. This sort of feels like you maybe have to take a step back from it. I, I don't know. I, I do think the match will be better. Genuinely, I think the match will just be more entertaining mm. and a, a bit more of a comfortable watch. Yeah, it'd be way more comfortable, way more dynamic, way more exciting, way less contrived when you're waiting for the Young Bucks, sorry, when you're waiting for the Hardys to actually have to sell and then, Jesus Christ, it's going to take five minutes for you to climb this frigging ladder. That's kind of removed me from this, what should be an exhilarating spot fest. Um, I think it was a ridiculous idea to put Jeff Hardy in this match, even before the story broke. Yeah. They've tried to do a speed run, speed and nostalgia run for the Hardy Boys. I'm not in any way, shape, or form insinuating that one thing has enabled another, but all I'm going to say is that it was an absolutely stupid idea um, to risk the health of someone who's who had, past tense, genuine value is someone who's so over that no one cares how broken or thrashed he is. Mm-hmm. He sh- should have been used sparingly in these situations. Build to them, build the gravitas of, should Jeff Hardy really be working a ladder match? After what he's become, and you know the heart's still obviously willing and the spirit's willing, but look, the body's weak. But how enthralling is it to see him fighting? But if you put him in a ladder match, it could all go wrong. And they just did it like three, three ladder spots, if not ladder matches, in his first four appearances. Like they've just had a weird one, a very very weird one with Jeff Hardy. This match is going to be far better as a result. And the Young Bucks and the Young right. Think about how awesome All Out twenty twenty one was. 21 was as a show. And the best match on that show was the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers and that seminal cage match, oh. instant classic. It was incredible. Think about how good that was and also think about people at the time before that match were thinking, oh, they should have given it to Jurassic Express because it was um, the elites dickhead interference using the goons against Jurassic Express that made Tony Khan in storyline say, well, there has to be a cage match for the next defense because this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But that match against Jurassic Express was so incredible. Like a four and three quarter star dynamite, incredibly dramatic. Action was awesome. That people thought I'd rather see them than the Lucha Brothers. And people knew how good the Young Bucks Lucha Brothers matches were already. So I'm expecting something incredible from this. Genuinely incredible. I think obviously the Bucks will be completely and utterly up for it. It's a big match. They don't do very good matches. 
apart from when the Hardys are there, which is another reason why this match is going to be better as a result. They only do excellent matches, and they'll be particularly motivated to do this. I think they were winning the three-way because the idea is that they were the titles. The Hardys could have then said, right, well, we've beat you double or nothing, so we got first. Paraphrase <laughs> uh, Solo Sakura for <laughs> reasons I can't even fathom. Um, but I still think they should go with it because I think that was re- the result they were going to do. It's been long enough now where if you continue to push Jurassic Express in these roles, people are genuinely just going to start to resent them and get pissed off. You don't want that. And it ruins something you've literally been building for over over a year mm. at this point in terms of the Christian Cage, Jungle Boy thing. Because you undo every wonderful little dickhead Christian Cage interaction if you beat the Young Bucks clean in a ladder match in the main event of national TV because Christian Cage doesn't have anything to say to Jungle Boy. Um, you could work a jealousy angle or something. I don't know, but it just feels like Jungle Boy has to lose for this to work. And tonight's the night. Do you think the turn happens tonight as well? I don't think there'll be enough time in the show left for the Because <laughs> if this main event... Well, Christian's a heel. Anyway, on to uh, what happened <laughs> to SCU. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I would rather have the Young Bucks celebrate, Jungle Boy look despondent, Cage look a little bit miffed, go off the air. Genuinely, I'm not being facetious. They don't book their television in such a way where they do the match, they do um, the celebration long enough so that you can feel Christian Cage stew with anger that his protege, that he's dedicated the last valuable years of his run to, has failed him. Fuck off, I'm going to turn on you. They don't do the rhythm of professional wrestling in this way. I've come to terms with that. They don't pace the TV shows in this way. Mm -hmm. I've come to terms with that. There's no Mm -hmm. way they can do a wonderful end-to-end presentation angle. It'll happen next week when they do an in-ring promo segment about what's next for Jurassic Express, and then they can do it then. I can't remember a lot of TV turns in AEW. Like, not a load of them spring to mind. You know, like proper, oh my God, heel turns. I'm thinking like MJF turned on Cody on the pay-per-view, for example. Winter is coming. Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega would be one, yeah. That's awesome. The gun club. Turning on uh, Paul White. <laughs> Remember that? Just sprung to mind. Nowhere. <laughs> What's happening here, guys? To be honest, I've been really disciplined with turns yeah. in general um, until this year. And how many times you can substitute turns for gimmick matches yes. and so many different interchangeable like things, which is, again, another worry about the, the, the big picture in AEW. My WWE brain tells me there's going to be a spot. With Title changes. With... Uh, with either Jungle Boy or Luke Shores, or both of them on the ladder. Just like, well, we've won the match. We're about to reach the uh, bells. And then Christian Cage just pushes the ladder over. Yeah. Anyway, but I don't think that's going to happen. You think this main event? Um, Tough yes. call, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, we could yeah. start it just to ensure that it gets the, the time. Mm. Or they could just pace it. Or they could just pace a TV show correctly. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the two. Yeah. I'd... Uh, I could see uh, if it doesn't. It's well. It's opening on main eventing. It, ha- it certainly. I don't think like you look at this card and you just you can't foresee like they don't really do top of the hour matches like this, do they? So I just I can't see this being anything other than the open or close. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right, we'll run through a lot of the one-on-one stuff and then we'll get to the 20-on-one stuff at the end. Um, <laughs> so let's move on next to the uh, All-Atlantic Championship qualifier. Pack has qualified. I think it's fair to say that the three of us are anticipating the other two people joining uh, him and the winner of this match in the four-way uh, at, at Bindor. Yes, at yes. Bindor, uh will be probably Malachi Black and... Fingers crossed, Tom- Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah, the other three, I don't want anywhere near it. <laughs> uh, but it is Ethan Page versus Miro. How do you see this one going, Hamlet? Well, it's going the way of Miro, isn't it? Like, I, it's not that I'm not looking forward to this match, and Ethan Page is the perfect guy for you to want to see Miro batter. And, brilliantly, he's a heel. So we can take from this, kind of as we did from Miro's comeback, that this is the babyface turn. You haven't needed to overtly turn him. You just be Miro. I like these turns in wrestling. Be the character you were against people on the other side of the divide. Like, that's I, that's the making of a good character, in my opinion. If you can just spin what you do to baddies instead of goodies, and that's how you turn, it means that the character was bang right to begin with, and that's what people gravitated to and got behind. Mira would fit in in the baddies as well, wouldn't he? <laughs> mm, <laughs> oh, yeah. So I hope he batters him. I hope he absolutely batters him. I would quite like... Um, I feel there would be some catharsis to... And it's not really the many of the years' fault, but they have been associated with... So much dross, so much of the stuff that you've liked the least in AEW this year, that Miro, somebody we've all missed so much, who represents what felt like, and I said you would say the second golden era, but in my opinion, like the best era of AEW. Miro was such a big mm. face of that period, wasn't he? Like middle to late last year. Him coming back and just battering these dweebs and losers. And just like, so he takes out Ethan Page with relative ease. And then, you know, like the men of the year, like they all try and round on him and he just makes his own save. He crushes them and he's going to, like, it still doesn't feel enough, by the way, this, oh yeah, like Miro's redemption is getting a belt and taking it home to Lana and all that. It's the All-Atlantic title. It's like, well, he, he wants to win our belt because if you can't in AEW, you suck. Yeah. So like, the, it's, I'm glad like that they're actually going to pay that off. I wish it was for like a proper title. Um, <laughs> and, the, and this just feels like a, a nice part of it. Fairly, fairly routine win, but Miro's electrifying. I can't wait to see him like bend Ethan Page halfway over <laughs> yes. for a submission win. Pack Black, Tomohiro, and Miro for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, Chuck and Travel next on free radio. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about this match... Make your problems on the Hagley Road. Tell you about it next. Sorry. What I like about this match is that on paper, it's like, ah, uh, 
Miro doesn't necessarily work best against opponents of his size. So the Archer match was a bit disappointing at double or nothing. But I trust in Khan to this day. And the, the key to all this is in Ethan Page's face. Him being a dickhead when he realizes, I'm Miro, you've met your match in terms of someone stronger than you. You can't bully me or knock me around. And then he can be arrogant with that. He's got a wonderful face as Ethan Page. You can use its arrogance. You can use its sort of like wild-eyed intensity to like pretend that he's the same as Miro. Then Miro can like out-intense him because he's got those bulging eyes as well. And then he can sell piss running down his leg. And like, and he's like deceptively agile and limber. And he can throw himself into suplexes. And he can take like sort of slapstick adjacent bumps. Like, I think this should really be fun. It's not going to be a quote-unquote great match. Um, but that definition feels increasingly of an old time. This is television goddamn wrestling, and I think this combination should yield some really good television wrestling. Oh, on just another thing quickly on Miro, on a roster that feels so bloated, and the problem with a bloated roster and there being too many titles is you kind of want to see people less. It has the opposite effect to what you should have with pro wrestling. I am thrilled Miro's back. Yes. Miro is a wrestler I want to see more of. And if anything, I think that's been like, AEW have had that problem lately. Is there are too many pairings full of people I'm just not that interested in or that I don't get the, like when their face flashes up on the graphic, I'm not getting there. Uh, like, yeah. Just sort of, uh, all right, yeah, more of them. Like Miro is the total opposite of that. He's given me that feeling back of somebody I actually desperately want to see. It would be funny, right, given that there's been genuinely good faith outrages about New Japan's once inability, they started doing it now with the odd stardom match, like change doesn't happen overnight. It would be funny if on a show that's going to get roundly criticised, and I think with a decent bit of good faith, that there's going to be no women's matches on it, we don't think. <clears throat> that of all the women that New Japan have access to through relationships or whatever, the first person to appear on a New Japan show in North America who's a female is Lana. Who you comes hands out the belt. hands over the belt <laughs> like, and finds out to come home. <laughs> oh, I imagine the Mikey Ruckus remix of Lana's theme. That's what he's been set <laughs> yeah. to work on now. Um, I agree. I think Miro's winning this, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching what he does to Ethan Page, even though we do like him here and admit that he has got the taste. Tits in the game. Now, often, Sid, I think it's fair to say, when I throw to you about a face-to-face on other shows, let's say, you just like Shay. Shay. <laughs> <laughs> you normally you normally shrug and aren't that bothered. And yet, yeah, I do shrug. Tonight, John Moxley, Tom, uh, Tom Hero, uh, Tanahashi is going to be tasty ahead of Forbidden Door. Well, two, less than two weeks now. Till less than two weeks now till Forbidden Door. This should be absolutely tasty. Um, I'm really looking forward <laughs> to this. Gravy. It's not Tanahashi answering for his crimes. Or yeah, like uh, the web copy would be. Is it like? It's <laughs> so, like uh, Tanahashi can speak English quite well in a way that he's just this wonderful elder statesman of pro wrestling. I know they're not in a quote-unquote smart city, but I feel like he'll be afforded the proper respect mm. um, to use one of Vince's things that he just really likes. Yeah. Um, I don't expect much to be said here. I think Moxley will carry most of the load, and I think that Tanahashi plays such a good prick when he wants to. He's so great at being a prick. And that's what a genius he is because he's like the best baby face. But he's also like he holds everyone and his own discipline to such a high standard that he can be a complete bell end and I love it. So if Moxley gets irate and irate and starts really doing it like Tanahashi could be really good at like saying, you know, just calm down. Like I've already got you where I want you or something like that. I don't want Tanahashi to start doing rent free stuff. But I think that he's gonna say a lot with his face um more than his words. 
and they could. I'm already sold on this match. I want Tanahashi going coast to coast. That'd be the real Forbidden yeah. Door. Like, nothing about Forbidden Door or the relationship feels remotely transgressive or new or fresh anymore. Like a proper New Japan established main event there in a crimson mask would feel that way. So I'm, I'm sold on the match because I've invented it in my head. But that is a signal that the match is doing something for you if you're booking it in your own head. So they don't need to do much at all. Um, but I really hope this is treated very seriously. A lot of pomp and ceremony, um, representatives of management. I wouldn't even mind Tony Khan in the ring at this. If it could slowly sort of intensify and like, oh, you know, I respect you, but you're also being a bit dickhead. And like, maybe they can do the whole, you've ruined it, you've ruined it deal with Tyson and Austin. Like, a really sort of, a bit of pageantry. Yeah. Very sporting, aesthetic, and tone to the presentation of this match. And it's a title match, and it's the two companies that really take the sports... I know we've got Wardlow versus playing this, but you know what I mean? You can yeah. fake it, you can work it. Big can, fight feel. Yeah, and then it can sort of erupt. That'd be cool. It would be really cool. Like, there's, there's, I don't, I don't think, I hope I'm not jinxing it. I don't think there's a version of this that is bad. I think if it's, if it's all of that, it's amazing. I think if it's a scaled back thing where, yeah, Moxley gradually sort of works himself into a shoot almost. Love the idea of William Regal being somebody that would very clearly respect Tanahashi mm-hmm. a great deal. But, like, rather than doing the kind of cheeky, Oh, he's going to rip your bloody head off like that he does at the moment when like Moxley or Brian or whoever's fighting. He'll treat this differently. He'll show immense respect to Tanahashi, mm-hmm. but then he'll also say, and it's with respect that I'm telling you that my boy's going to rip your bloody head off yeah. or something like that. You're going to be exhausted like you've been on a frog on a bike pump. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> like a frog on a bike pump. I'm not Tana, exhausted. Tana by the gas line. I'm knackered. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, when he's finished with you, you won't know. It's daylight movement. It's going to be serious, but it's also going to be funny. Like, Moxley's piss funny. Tanahashi, as well as being a brilliant prick, knows, like, understands the comedic beats of North American pro wrestling, I think, better than he's probably given credit for or has maybe ever been given the stage for, perhaps. I don't know. Um, I I cannot wait for this. This is, this, along with, you know, the the Brian match that you alluded to with Zack Sabre Jr., this is the forbidden door that people want versus the one that more and more of us have kind of become increasingly worried that we're going to get. It feels it feels safe from politics, this match, because whichever way it goes, you'll be completely invested in the story and the stakes of this interim title more than trying to, like, second-guess yourself about what agreements were made between the two management sides about making it fair. Oh, well, we've got four wins on the card, so you've got to have four wins or whatever. None mm-hmm. of it, it. This match doesn't feel affected by any of that. Yeah. It was built, it existed before Forbidden Door did, so that helps, you know. Moxley's got this rich legacy in uh, New Japan from a relatively short amount of time there, um, so Tanahashi knows of him. Um, Tanahashi was, like, the, the buzz that I've wanted for Forbidden Door existed when Tanahashi, like, lent himself to a video message to Chris Jericho yeah. on his on his birth episode of Dynamite. He was the guy. Oh my god, it's happening. Tanahashi's on Dynamite. That's what so like you And Luther's here too. That as well. <sighs> like the because you know, he's the original Death Dealer. Like the it's it's such just, a cool nickname that. Yeah, too cool. <laughs> I'd argue <for> <laughs> I so like he Tanahashi was always going to be representative of, of all of this. And I'm so pleased he's in such a high yeah. profile match. Um and like the I'm interested to see sort of see how the AW interim title is placed and all this because they put it on a little stand, didn't they? For the um, mm. I didn't imagine that they had that on a little plinth sort of thing. And the belt itself, the two wrestlers have got to sell the importance of winning that belt while also acknowledging that it's not really the belt. Yeah. So uh, like, I'm fascinated to see how that's used as part of proceedings as well because it is important, but it's not. You know, 
Like it's uh, part of me thought this was super predictable and Moxley was winning, and I started to think well, Tanahashi would be quite interesting. Like you, having wearing that belt to New Japan shows. And that way, we still get the Punk Tanahashi match that we were yeah. for Wrestle Kingdom. Like I've I've talked myself into thinking it's possible, even though Moxley seems to make more sense. So I just it's it's everything I like about the idea of Forbidden Door, and we're going to see like I, hopefully the best evidence of it. Now, other than Wardlow, that's the major stuff sort of taken care of for Dynamite. Just just the small matter now of Dax Harwood versus Will Ospreay and Tony Storm versus Britt Baker tonight. Well, we talked about where things are going to go on a card. We know where Britt Baker and Tony Storm's going to go, don't we? Like the <laughs> one hour thirty, it will start, and one hour forty three, it will end. I'll have the Jade Cargill <laughs> promo before it, or we'll after. Ma- we'll maybe have Chris Statland to get a bit in somewhere, possibly <laughs> the ladies section, sponsored by Gillette. Anyway, like. Dax and Osprey is a, is another brilliant graphic out of nowhere match. Thanks for perfectly pairing two wrestlers like food and wine that I didn't ever wouldn't ever thought would go perfectly together, and of course they do. Uh, it's absolutely ideal. There's a um, there's a nice element of a like a word shoot stylistic war about this. Cedric mentioned about Tanahashi's um, robust belief in what he thinks wrestling is, and they use that brilliantly with Kenny Omega before Omega left New Japan. Like, I think wrestling is this. Well, I think it's this. Well, let's have a philosophical war. Dax and Osprey was a philosophical war I never once considered until the graphics put in front of me. And I cannot wait to watch that happen. I can't wait to watch Dax, especially as the baby face, play cut-off to the high-flying. They have to tell, and they can both do it. They're both talented enough storytellers. Osprey has to use his, like, eye-popping aerial stuff as heel, cocky offense versus Dax. Doing, a, being, doing cut-off spots as this, like, shrewd, defensive, I'll say it, Bret Hart-style operator, like a counter-for-a-counter-for-a-counter counter counter guy. I, like, again, I'm, I'm, like, mirroring my take off the last thing. I don't think this can fail. Mm. The only thing it can fail to do is maybe live up to expectations if they're set incredibly high. But you've got to consider the constraints in television, where we're at in terms of the build of Forbidden Door. It, like, the wrestling match you're expecting is the wrestling match you're going to get and there's a nice, like, people should feel secure in their happiness in, in getting hype for this. Sid and I were baffled by uh, Osprey and Aussie Open losing their first match mm. in AEW on Friday. Does that mean you think Osprey wins tonight? I suppose you can excuse a loss for Dax Holwood because he's a tag wrestler somewhat. There's, that's as good an argument as any, and the rampage result has surely put the result of this one in, no doubt. Osprey coming to only middling fanfare and then losing his first two matches is sort of disastrous booking, like, if you really lay it out like that. So he, he has to win, but I won't at all be disappointed watching the journey to get in there. Yeah, he's absolutely going to win. It would be a disaster if he doesn't. Um, no shame. A, a promotional promotional stupidity, given mm. what star you could have on your hands in Osprey. No great shame, given my personal feelings of Will Ospreay. No. Yeah. But yeah, he's bound to win, but this is bound to be great. They're bound to do things in this match that will blow your mind, draw you into the story to make it seem like Dax is going to win, so it doesn't really matter. Um, that the result is somewhat obvious in a political necessity as much as um, a narrative inevitability. Um, I'm just desperate to watch Will Ospreay, who is very easy to hate in the context. I hate watching him as a babyface. Even when he's great, I'm still like, oh, that's stupid. Oh, God, my neck! Ah! <laughs> Remember when he started being like a thrown cat, and then yeah. I think even he had, somehow he found the self-awareness. Will Ospreay! <laughs> to say, ah, f- <laughs> my f- neck really hurts, like, that's how he used to sell. And then he took <gasps> it down. 
<laughs> I remember that. First, first person for you to, re- to reach through the screen for you, and you to kick your telly in. <laughs> <laughs> Don't help you. Like, it's just Will Ospreay versus Dax Howard's going to be great. And what I really want to see, what I really, really want to see is Will Ospreay using that face for good, the smarmy face, to like do loads of dickhead flips and just intentionally antagonize Harwood into getting the advantage. And they can play with, as Hamlet says, a stylistic ball, uh, battle. Hey, well, Baker Storm, the first match was rubbish, so I'm not expecting much from this. That's what happens when, if you run something back that I've just seen that wasn't good, I can't possibly, even though we want listeners to be in a good mood when they are lapping up our content, because they do, do in their spare time. I'm sorry, I, there's no possible way I, with any credibility, can say that this match is going to be good. I've seen it very recently. It was very bad. Maybe, because I do think that Baker's a massive fan of Tony Storm and was overjoyed that she joined her in AEW. Genuinely, this might be a please can we run this back because the first one didn't go well and I was mm-hmm. wildly personally disappointed by it. Um, I think there could be a genuine storyline ramification at long last connected with this match. I feel like they're going to go big here, AEW, just generally in terms of developments and turns and we know from the gimmicks they are it's about goddamn time they did something with um, Baker and Hater and I just can't see given how much potential Storm has just Baker beating a clean again Mm. I just think there's going to be something to this and I think Storm beats Baker with inadvertent Hater assistance and then it blows up exactly that they've done the NXT Tony Storm looks at the belt last week Mm -hmm. so it's that was Baker's thing, wasn't it? She was like, who are you to look at the belt and suddenly think you deserve a title shot? Exactly. So yeah. then the natural course of things is, well, should they have the match, and that's who she is. She's beating you in a, in a one-on-one match. Hit, uh, botching the interference only helps that. Um, Baker's carrying around the Owen Hart title, isn't she? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and they've introduced that as a weapon that they're prepared to use as a group. So hit, it feels set up for the run and duck, doesn't it? Like, and Baker Rebel jumps up to take the ref. Aye, Baker takes one in the face with the Owen belt off uh, the hater interference and Tony Storm gets the win. Um, and it's, to be fair, to be fair to that, regardless of the quality of the match, if all that plays out and you get the post-match angle and you get the run in or whatever, it's the, you know, like, it's them actually telling a big story in the women's division. You're setting up Tony Storm as a challenger, which you've done the work to get there rather than just the Marina Shafir walking into shot last week. And you've, you've finally delivered the hater Baker payoff, or you've set their finally in motion to it happening. They've probably, what they were probably doing in their defense was probably wanting to create a bit of distance between Wardlow and MJF, because there were some weeks where you sort of felt like you were watching the same angle take place, waiting for a split between the, and one was way superior to the other. So they probably wanted to give that a bit of breathing space, and now they have done. It could all go down tonight, and I think regardless of the quality of the match, it'll feel like it was a more worthy section of the show for the women's division than just the standard match. Finally, we've got there. I've been looking forward to talking to you about this all day. Um, I'm just going to read this out the way they've described it. It's the plaintiffs versus Wardlow, a class action handicap elimination <laughs> match. It's Wardlow fighting 20 security guards, Sage, and it's a hell of a prospect. Yeah, this is going to be incredible. It's not... It's big dumb fun. It's not the best version of something stupid. It's going to be like knowingly endearingly stupid like plaintiffs is so funny it's like it's so much funnier than security personnel versus wardlow plaintiffs is just funny <laughs> the uh the, the use of smart mark sterling it's all comedy it's all funny this is as far removed from 
what was it? Sports oriented mm. was the big phrase that AEW loved to use. Wins and losses matter. That people thought they were going to get New Japan on national television, but with like you know under a different name. It's not happened. We've got the best statistical analysis of how many punches get through. Like Cody was going big, wasn't he? Like, yeah, they were like, guys. They talked about how like and they were going to like track the effectiveness of finishes and all. Like this is it was always was good. that was a bit too G one. Mm. I love the G1 as much as the next guy, but that's too that's too dry. Um but this is, it's just stupid. I don't in, in, in the best way possible, knowingly dumb and fun, blockbuster daftness. Um I don't know if it's physically possible to have twenty people in the ring at the same time for the whole spot where you just see Wardlow buried under a mass of bodies and he goes, Hey, and they all go flying. There's two how many plaintiffs? Give me all the plaintiffs you have. Yes. 20. Well, that's too many. I don't know. If it's one by one, right, in the first, in the old rush, they could have the best of both worlds here. If it's like one by one, like death, 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 death. And then slowly they start to go like, well, I'm just going to get killed here, so I'm a bit scared. And then after he kills 12 of them, the 13th and the 14th look a little bit apprehensive. And then the ones behind, the bigger lads at the back, Oh, come on, six of us can beat him. Then they can do that spot, and then they all get power bombed. They're going to get power bombed on aprons. They're going to get power bombed on each other. I'm just hoping that this isn't too ambitious for its own good, and we don't get an authors of pain scenario. Remember that botch. And I'd say Wardlow's. I don't think he's botched once in AEW, or at least he's never endangered his opponent. But there's scope for the adrenaline because everyone's going to oh, yeah. go mad. And if you powerbomb someone into someone, just make sure the back of their head hits the navel because the authors of pain did it that time. And like, Wardlow's a much better worker than they are, but I'm just saying there's the scope for something like this because mm. like the, the one against the cage, as funny as it was, that was ill-advised. So there is scope for something a little bit less fun than intended here. But I think Wardlow wins. <laughs> <laughs> Echoes of your boy as well. Oh, yeah. Like, well, I think the only difference is going to be the Wardlow's actually going to make the cover. Like, he's going to be required to follow the rules and make the cover rather than just being so much like Big Sexy and just letting the referee count as the guy fell on the floor. It's <laughs> I love all of this. And I actually, this is proper AW, this, for me, because um, 30, 40 is too much. But four or five isn't enough. Mm. Like, they have, I think they've nailed the number with 20. It's really funny. He's fighting 20 guys. Like, that's, that's, a, that's preposterous. But... There is an invisible line about what's preposterous enough to be believed, and it, I think 20 is it. I, I, you don't know that they found it until they, until they tell you. Even if it was 10, like 10 guys, like, I, I just think he'll beat them. It's 20 guys is like, he's going to beat them, but how? How is yeah, yeah. this going to work out? I really think they've nailed it. If you imagine, right, a battle royal, a 20-man battle royal, the ring looks full, doesn't it? Imagine if at one point or other in this match, there's 21 people in there, and all of them are after one guy. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a, that's funny, and he's still going to win. And, like... Symphony, I think, could be used for like a cool video package. So, like, you're going to see in that Nash one, people are rushing the ring, right? And he's hitting a few of them with jackknives, a few of the big boots, whatever. Like, uh, there is going to be a rush, I think. And he's going to be hitting them with power bombs. And the next week, you've got the video package where you could actually play like a symphony. Da, 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 power bomb, boom, boom, like that. And he's, <laughs> he's getting all over. I think to get to arrive at the point, as Sidrick's booked with the sort of the big show and the Royal Rumble, rah, like all the bodies go scattering. He pins, I think it's one after another after another, isn't it? It's an elimination. Is that right? Just a class action handicap elimination. So I would say that 
players like a gauntlet where you just got you keep having them come out. You know, you a rush of like five or six just take a power bomb and they're out. Um, there comes a point where he's doing well, but he's he's knackered. Maybe guy twelve. He's really starting <laughs> to feel. You know, he's really getting a sweat, and he's delivered twelve power bombs. You know, that's tiring, even if you've not been attacked yourself. Yeah, and then. Like as like guy 13's like on the ramp, he's like, I've seen twelve of my mates go down, what do I do? And then Scorpio Sky runs out the crowd and hits Ward on the back of the head with a TNT title belt and bails into the crowd. Um, because he's pissed off after he like got his punk card played last week. And then Guy 13 kind of gets the advantage for a bit. Uh, and then Wardlow still continues to win. And then that's when they kind of want to rush him, and then that's when you get the Wardlow's having to sell something because the back of his head's hurt and that kind of thing. And then he polishes them off. And you've got you've done the last ever thing that everybody loved during the MJF. You've got like you've managed to buy one more week of the thing that everybody adored during MJF, which is Wardlow battering these poor goons. And you've done it within the context of a story and you've helped progress the next one, mm. which is Wardlow saving this belt that's now, you know, he's now felt on the back of his head. Really like that. And really excited for Wardlow destroying twenty security guards, uh, and potentially Mark Sterling as well, along with all that. That feels like one more match, doesn't it? <laughs> Sterling's gonna get his in the same way that like Sean Spears did, or whatever. They've probably got, they've probably got another last match. And you're up. not allowed to use the powerbomb. Oh, no. What is he going to do yeah. now? <laughs> uh, right. Well, let us know your thoughts ahead of AW Dynamite tonight. Uh, sorry, AW Dynamite Road Radio uh, tonight <laughs> on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Why well, say you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts or NXT. Review is available right now, and our review of this show will be in your feed tomorrow as soon as it is released. If you subscribe to What Cool Wrestling again, wherever you get your podcasts from. But for now, this being the AW Dynamite Rude Review preview, my thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.